Welcome to Voices from the Street, the radio ministry of the Sacramento Union Gospel Mission. Prepare your heart for laughter and tears as we share the unpolished stories of the homeless and hurting, hope and transformation. Here is your host, Director of the Union Gospel Mission, Pastor Tim Lane. Thank you guys for joining me once again today. I have a guest with me that was here last week. Uh, his name is Jim Morris, and we're going to talk about uh, how he came to know Christ and several other things, and what the impact of the mission and the people at the mission have had on him personally. Because you can't work or volunteer at a place like the Union Gospel Mission without being impacted by somebody that you come across. And even if there are negative times that a person has at a place like the Union Gospel Mission, it's far overshadowed by the amazing stories that come out of there. And so I know Jim agrees with that. But, you know, before we get into that, I just wanted to take a brief minute to tell you guys that I know that at this time of year that there's a lot of people that are, are hurting. And maybe you've lost a job through the years or a spouse or, or you just, there's it just this time of year. But I wanted to remind you of a couple of things. First of all, God is always in control. And if there is a hole in your heart and your life, if you're lonely and all those kind of things, you know what? Jesus said, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. And if you are one of his children, you can count on it. A year ago, recovering from COVID with the loss of my wife and, and isolated from everybody because nobody could come into my house, I realized that God said, you're never going to be alone. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. You're not going to do something that's going to cause me to cast you away. You're my child, and, and I'm going to see you through this. And no, I didn't hear that audibly, but I knew it. And you know what? One of the problems that you probably have if you're a Christian and it's really, really going through difficulty is, one, are you on your knees praying to a holy God? Not just talking to him, not just asking him for things, but listening as well. A quiet time to hear God speak to you. Now, how's he going to do that? He's going to do it by the remembrance of the word. So you need to be in your word on a daily basis to have our guidance come through him. And third, you really need to be in a, in a Bible-believing, healthy, well-balanced church. And you say to yourself, well, I can get it on TV. Well, that's good. If you're sick, I, I would like you to watch on TV or, you know, if there's some other mitigating circumstance. But listen, if, you're, if you can do it, there's nothing like fellowshipping with other believers. You know what? It's not just coming in on Sunday and sitting there for an hour. It's the after. It's the before. It's the Bible studies. It's the fellowship and getting to know people. Because don't forget, if you're joining a church, a healthy, well-balanced one, they are going to be family to you. And God wants us to function like that. So again, if, if there's something that is really hard for you this year, I ask, if you are not a believer then why don't you ask God to reveal himself to you? And if you are a believer, remember that you need to be in constant fellowship with him. Uh, I could never have made it through if it wasn't for the love of Jesus Christ, the surrounding of God's people around me. And uh, I'll tell you what, that's an amazing thing. 
And so it, you want to have a great Christmas? Be a Christian, and you will have a great Christian uh, Christmas. So I have Jim Morris here with me. Uh, Jim, just uh, just give us a quick quick uh, update from last week. What do you what do you do? You're in media and what? So I do communications for rice farmers, and I've been in agricultural communications for over thirty years. Love to work with farmers and ranchers. And I'm also on the UGM board, which is an absolute thrill and an honor to be able to do that and try to help wherever I can. We do a lot of volunteer work. Our church does Creekside and Elk Grove and get so much out of it. In fact, uh, we have another service coming up very soon. Well, that's great. Um, As a matter of fact, just so you know, the way that we choose board members is when we have a vacancy on the board, we look for, we have a criteria. One, they need to love Jesus Christ. (laughs) <laughs> that's an absolute. You you know, we do not want very successful but very secular people to come on our board of directors, and we would never do that, and we, we have not. We have always tried to make sure. And what we do is when somebody is going to come on the board, we ask them to give their testimony. They need to be also donors to that to the mission. There's no specific amount they need to donate. But the reason for that is I like to know that you're committed to the mission as well. And if, you're, if you were very poor and could give very little, maybe it's your time you're giving. But that's, that's what I'm talking about. Is there a commitment there? We ask our board members, because we're a drug and alcohol rehabilitation program, not to smoke, drink, or do any of those other things that would be considered, you know, out of bounds. Now, don't misunderstand. I am not saying that if a person has a glass of wine, they're somehow some kind of heathen. What I'm saying is that for our board members and our staff people, we need to be able to tell the people out there that we don't do what is destroying their life, right? Mm -hmm. So when I became a pastor, many of you guys know that, I had always said I would never have another drink if I was ever a pastor, and then a few years later, God brought that into my life, and wasn't a wasn't an oath, but I remembered the reasoning. I don't want to show up in your hospital at three o'clock in the morning smelling like alcohol when you're when you're needing me to to be there spiritually with you. I don't want a weaker person in the church struggling with alcohol to see me and say the pastor drinks. And I don't want a kid to say, well, it's okay, again, because the pastor drinks. If your pastor happens to have a glass of wine or whatever the case is, I'm not, I'm not laying this on him. I'm just telling you my feeling about it. And it worked out because when I came to the mission as director, I already didn't do any of those things. So tell me something. Uh, we talked a little bit ago about you coming on the board, and one of the things requirement was you needed to come to the board, and you needed to give your testimony. So I'd like you to tell the people a little bit about that testimony, if you don't mind. No, I don't mind, and I think it's an important thing to do. So I was born in South Sacramento in a middle-class area. It was a bit of a rough area. Family of six, and uh, we did go to church once a week. Uh, we did pray before every meal, but that was really the extent of our Christian involvement. I wish we had a stronger foundation for so many reasons, because it was a difficult time. My 
dad who had served in World War II, was on the beach in Normandy, mm. uh, had faced a lot of internal demons, if you will, and uh, we very rarely saw the man he could be, and he struggled mightily with alcoholism. Back at that time, in the 70s, when I was young, there was a stigma. It wasn't something that you were heralded if you could fight off the addiction. Uh, there was a lot of shame and embarrassment, at least from my perspective as a young individual, and I think that my three sisters shared that. So it was a, honestly, it was a horrific time, and I really wish we had uh, more faith in our life at that point. Uh, our family had a lot of challenges from that, a lot of dysfunction. My dad eventually lost his job. Several attempts at becoming sober failed, but Thank you, Lord, my dad did find his sobriety. It was through something very similar to the Christian walk, Alcoholics Anonymous. Mm -hmm. I believe they have very similar faith tenets in it. And so I was blessed to really know my dad the last 10 years of his life. Mm. It has left uh, a scar on our family. And uh, since that time, I've now lost four family members. And a variety of family members have processed all this information differently. And I think one of the ways that I am still upright and largely positive is because I know that Jesus is my Lord, Savior, and the boss Amen. of my life. Amen. And I can't do it alone. I can't look at a sunrise or a sunset. I saw my child born. How on earth would I think that I had anything to do with that? I am very grateful for my Savior for those things. Amen. And I seek out these beautiful sights that we have, even in a world that is really challenging. And if there's anything I can do to help spread that message, I'm for it. I wish our family had it earlier, but I also know that I, I just hope and pray that people can come to knowing their Savior at the last two-tenths of a mile of the 26.2-mile marathon. So I hold out hope that everybody, there's room for people, and that's, that's one of the right. reasons I want to be at the mission. It's not my job to judge. It's my job to love my fellow human beings and uh, to have my son next to me, to pray with someone yes. who is earnestly trying to seek out something better, to seek out Jesus. I can't even begin to describe the feeling. No, I, I absolutely agree with you. I don't know if we've ever talked about it before, but my father was a pharmacist, and he was an alcoholic, and he and my mother broke up because alcoholism also led to infidelity, and he had a lot of pride and arrogance about things. And it's funny you said that in the last two-tenths of a mile in your marathon, you hope that somebody comes to Christ I don't know where my father is as far as he he is no longer with us. He died years ago. He, too, was in World War II. But, um, but when they came to me, they said, my father, every organ was shutting down in my father's body because of all the alcoholic abuse. He was nearly 70 at the time. And um, so he everything was shutting down. And I felt like my older brother— they didn't contact him, which is a good thing. My brother is not a believer, and he hated my father. So uh, they called me, and I told him I had to pray about it, and I had to talk to my pastor. As I said, this was many, many years ago that he passed on. And um, so I did that, and I felt like I was going to push him into hell if I turned off the machines. 
So I wound up God's providence. There was a lady there, and she asked me, and I said, I got to pray about it. She said, I understand. She said, I'm a Christian. I said, you are? She said, yes. Well, I kind of wanted to know what denomination, just because I wanted to make sure she wasn't a cultist or something. Everybody uses the name. And uh, she said, well, I'm a Southern Baptist. I said, well, that's excellent, because I happen to be a Southern Baptist. But it's not the denominational bent. It wouldn't, it, there are many good Christian churches that would have thrilled me that she was part of, but just was one of those things. And I asked her to go in, even though he's in a coma, to pray with him, to give him that gospel message one more time, one more chance, you know, from the, from the cross. Remember me when you come into your kingdom. And she said, I'll do better than that. My, my husband is a pastor. And they went in. And they, even though he was in the coma, they went through the whole thing of this, of, of what the gospel really means. And they spent time, they prayed. And so I don't know where my father is, but my prayer is that, that he's on the other side waiting. And, and now my mom has gone home to be with the Lord. So she was a believer. So I, I like that song, and you had talked earlier to me off-air about songs that inspired you. And I heard a contemporary song. Lots of the hymns really inspire me. But uh, I heard a song the other day, and I just heard a little bit of the lyrics, and it was, God bless the broken road that brought me here to you. And isn't that true? We often have a broken road that leads us to Christ. So um, what what brought you to that final decision that I need Jesus as my Lord and Savior? I would say it wasn't a lightning bolt moment, but it was right. just a, a realization, a growing realization that I was falling short in so many things. And you Me can too. get enjoyment in the world, but it's so temporary and it, it doesn't have a feeling like the Christian experience. So uh, it just was a, I think, a growing maturity on me. We talked prior about this thought process, and I certainly had it at a younger age. I'm a good person. Mm-hmm. I haven't committed any crimes. Right. Uh, I remember the first time someone asked me, are you a sinner? Oh, of course I'm not a sinner. You know, what are you thinking? But <laughs> but now I know I certainly am. Mm-hmm. I am. I, I sin every day, but I thankfully have uh, Jesus as my Lord, Savior, and the boss of my life, and that is going to wash away that sin. You know, I think one of the things that can be most difficult is somebody who's grown up in the church and really been pretty innocent. As far as the world goes, they'd go, they haven't done anything. But we are all born with the original sin from Adam, and then we compound it every day by what we do, whether it's lying, cheating, stealing, or, you know, the first commandment is what? You know, to have no other gods before the one that we have. And we certainly put things in that place. And unfortunately, there's a lot of good things we put in God's place that are good on their own, but when they take the place of God, they become an idol. Whether it's even family or a wife or a husband or a job, a career, whatever the case is, we can supplant God from his throne and serve another master, right? I totally agree. And one of the verses I believe we both share this love, and 
we I wear it on my wrist. I know you have as well. Is I do, Philipp- but I don't have it. Philippians 4.13, yep. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It's giving the proper credit, I think. And I think we societally think so much about ourselves all the time. And I, I'm not saying someone should have a poor image of themselves, but I think you need to give credit where credit is due. And I think so, too. And it's funny you said that because I broke the little blue one that I had, and I have another one. I wear a little rubber armband, you know, Philippians 4.13, you know. And uh, so I was going out the door today, and I was looking for the extra one, and it was frustrating because I didn't have it. It's not—and don't misunderstand. It's not a good luck charm. I'm not wearing it for that. It's a reminder. It's a reminder. As a matter of fact— if you look at it, it's pointed my way, not yours. Mm-hmm. And if you look at my, I have a ring that is got alpha and omega on it. And it also points so I can read it because I need to remember that he is the alpha, the omega, the beginning and end, the first and the last, and I'm not. Amen. <laughs> because my tendency, like most of us, is to look out for me and and that's that's a deadly attitude when you're only looking out for you. You're right, and it's that's what I love about the mission is to see real success stories, to yeah. see people loving on each other. It's really counter to where, unfortunately, a lot of the world is. And when I am at the mission and I see wonderful people like Jed and Rudolph and Willie and Kamlesh and Adam and Matthew and just so many people that have gone through the through the program and have done so well it is so heartening and there's a true spirit of love there that i think is it's a little more superficial a lot more superficial in the world sometimes i feel like a salmon swimming upstream there's certainly good things out there there's good people but i think the mission brings it all together where there really is a fundamental change in people's lives yeah and you know the names that you just quoted amongst those names was a muslim a Hindu, <laughs> a couple of atheists, you know, and all of them addicted to something. And you're right. Is there is there any particular story that you heard there that might have inspired you? Oh, quite a few. I mean, uh, I know uh, Rudolph comes to mind, yeah. and he's someone that I ran in, on his behalf and for the mission a few years back, and he's extremely inspiring to me. Uh, some of the challenges that he had in his life and how he's overcome that. And to see such a genuine, loving individual who has been changed so foundationally and fundamentally, someone I love to call his friend, love to seek out. It's an honor to be around him. Uh, I think about people like Rudolph who have made such great changes in their lives, and then I know that it's the, the program's working at the mission. It, it is inspiring to be surrounded by people who love Christ. You know, I mean, so many times I will have guys on the program who have graduated, or maybe they haven't, and one guy walked up to me and he said, Pastor, I just, can I hug you? I said, yeah. I mean, those are the things that warm your heart. Not that they want to hug you, but that they're inspired to do it because of their changed life, you know. And and we need to love one another. And I don't want people to be just like me because the world would be a really boring place. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) we need to, people, we don't need to make that decision on loving one another based on anything 
about the color of skin oh, or no. anything That's like right. that, the, the tall, short, whatever. We need to love one another, period. Oh, you're absolutely right. Uh, the list that you just ran down are people of all colors. Yes. Uh, that That is never a criteria, you know. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I can't tell you all the stories that I have heard, not heard, but seen over the years. I remember there was one guy, he was African-American. He had... Uh, he had a name that that uh, I won't say it on air because I don't know if he would want me to say it. But his first name was Malik. And then he had a second ni- name that sounded kind of Chinese. And then a third name that, you know, his last name was some other nationality. But he ha- was at a graduation. He was up there. And I am, I think it was at uh, Robert Briggs Church. And so... He's up there, and all the other graduates were there. It was a formal graduation. He had come through the program. He'd done a great job. He was graduating. He was happy, and he only had one family member, his his uh, sister. Mm-hmm. And I think she was a nurse or something, and she couldn't make it. And he started to cry. And he said, he said I said, uh, did I just hear you say that you had no family here? He said, yeah. Pastor, I wanted my sister to come. I don't have anybody. I said, oh, brother, please, look around you. See the men you're graduating with. Look into my face and know that we're your family. Amen. You know, he started to cry again, and he put his head on my shoulder. He was kind of a shorter guy. And uh, you know what? I'm not ashamed to tell you that he made me start to water, too. I hope we can all look inside out. Yeah, amen. And remembering always that God loved us when? When we were good enough? <laughs> no, mm-hmm. no. And uh, that's so correct. Is um, If God gives us that opportunity and his blood washes away our sin, everyone has that same opportunity. Yep. It is the ultimate uh, arrogance to think that that's not the case. Uh, I want everyone we can to come to Christ. Me, me too. And, you know, the reality is that God loved us when we were yet his enemies. Yes. And so don't think that you were so good that, you know. Never. (laughs) Never. Not you, but, I mean, (laughs) none of us should think that we were so good. God needed us in his kingdom. He doesn't need us. He wants us. He shed his, his son's blood for us. But it's not a matter of him needing us. There's nothing he can get from us. Uh but we are his creation, made and saved unto good works. Not by good works, but unto good works. And so um, I see man after man, Rudolph, as you said, who came through, who, who was practicing another faith, and yet he heard Jesus Christ and came to a saving knowledge. And his testimony is amazing. Well, James, we only have one minute. Is there anything you'd like to say to the folks in closing? I'm very moved by Christian music, and uh, I I want to encourage people to support the mission, of course. And then one song that sticks with me is a song called Do Something by Matthew West. And the, the gist of it is people complain about some of the problems in the world, and they shake their fist at heaven. God, why don't you do something? And God responds by saying, I did. 
I created you. Mm-hmm. So I think that there's all things we can do, and it starts with loving one another, being kind. These little acts make a difference. Thank Amen. people for working. Just do what you can to help. Oh, thank you so much, Jim. And as always, uh, my friends out there, until we meet again, may God hold you in the palm of his hand. You've been listening to Voices from the Street, the radio ministry of the Sacramento Union Gospel Mission. If your heart's been touched, and you want to know more about the work of the mission, log on to UGMSAC.com, UGMSAC.com. To donate clothing, food, time, or financial help, call 916-447-3268, 916-447-3268. Thank you so much for listening. Join us again next week at the same time for Voices from the Street.